On today's episode of Locked On Suns, what are the best and worst case scenarios for the upcoming season and how could they actually happen? What ingredients need to happen for us to get there? Plus, we'll close out with a fun segment looking back at recent history. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, the credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Suns your first listen. To close out your week, one more week of three shows, and then we're diving in every day. So hit follow or subscribe. We're free and available everywhere you listen or watch your podcast. Just search Locked On Suns, hit follow, hit subscribe. Get this show in your feed daily, very soon. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to this team as we make our way toward training camp. Joining us as he does every week is Aaron Edwards, and we have some good, some bad, and some fun to get to today. The show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed by visiting FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We'll have more from them later on, but let's dive in. We're going to do... Uh, Best case scenario, worst case scenario. Uh, I have a new setup. People are seeing my like shoulders for the first time in a little while. It makes <laughs> me think back to the early days of doing the YouTube version of this podcast, Aaron, where the camera quality was terrible and no one was watching. But hopefully, <laughs> uh, my shoulders weren't the reason, or like my my like lower neck. I don't know. I feel like it, it's been this angle. Now we're doing straight yeah. on. But uh, all right, are you a, are you a bad news first or a good news first type of person? Which should we always start with? bad news first? <laughs> okay. I like to start the pot on a high note, but I tend to be the same way. So let's just do it. Um, let me just start off by saying like, we're going to, we'll do bad news first. We'll do the worst case scenario first, but uh, I think the good case, the best case scenario is much more likely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the same time, the reason I, I mentioned the realisticness, which I feel like I say in every show in the big picture shows we do is like, yeah, okay, Kevin Durant gets injured. Okay, that's not like good content. That's not fun. Yeah. So let's not do that. But when I think of the worst case scenario for this team, uh, I think of a few things, and I'll give you two to, to start with. One is uh, that Bradley Beal can't adjust to a different type of role like we expect him to be able to. And that means, you know, taking more threes, maybe being a little more of a passer, defending uh, small guards at a, at a higher level than he has in the past, that type of stuff. And then the other one would just be that a lot of the role players outside of Eric Gordon, who I think is a pretty sure thing as long as he's healthy, don't step up, you know, I guess it's probably unlikely zero of them do, but let's say yeah. only one or two of them do instead of three or four, which the Suns probably need. Those are the two biggest things that come to my mind in terms of thinking about not just like doom and gloom, but like what could really go wrong that would be a, a problem for this year's Suns team. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Beal one is probably like the 
bigger one because he's never been in this position before. But I think dialing back your usage is easier for anybody. So, like, yeah, maybe, like, just the offense not running through him would probably get, like, be a little bit tougher for him to get used to. But being used less is a lot easier in basketball. So, if anything, like, it's kind of on him if it doesn't work. The Yeah, yeah, the players that we, like, the – um, the other players that we have, like they just have to make shots. Like I think that's probably the hardest part. Uh, we want some of them to guard the best players sometimes because we don't want Book or KD doing that most of the time. But I think it would be really hard for our like other guys to like struggle just because they're pretty much in one of the easier situations. But if they do, that would be real like way too much pressure like we had before on our starters. And mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Vogel, he's not really known for like being crazy with minutes. So I think like he, he doesn't want to play his starters as much if our bench guys are like playing pretty terrible. No, that's a good way to put it because I think it kind of highlights that the depth stuff, even just in general, that talking point around the suns, it's a, a lot of it is really a regular season concern because even right there as I was explaining it, like I had it as like, okay, it's probably not likely that they strike out completely, but what if it's not a whole bench full of those guys? Well, okay, that's a problem in the regular season. That's a problem if there's injuries, but if you're telling me maybe the regular season doesn't even go great for those reasons, but they get to the playoffs and they have like Eubanks, Bates, Diop, and that's it, step up. Well, that's already still seven guys if you expect that the big four plus Gordon is a lock and you get two more, like that's seven who you feel good about and that's really all you need in the playoffs. So a lot of that is is more of a regular season thing and I think with the Beal part of it, it's all just interpersonal. It's all just like mentality, really. Like I I don't think that Beal is going to hurt the team, even if he's not super adaptable, even if he's just doing a version of what he did in Washington, that probably uh, ends up making him more frustrated in the long run. Cause okay, he can do that, but he might see his minutes go down. He might yeah. get frustrated uh, about how often he's able to do that. Whereas if he buys in, he's going to be involved possession by possession. He's going to feel like he's impacting the game more. If he plays the way he used to, we know even that's just not as good as Book and KD. He's going to start feeling like a six-man type of guy if he does that. It's up to him, but like it's not I don't yeah. think it would like crush the team. So, I don't know if you have thoughts on those, but then you can give me your uh what you think of with the worst-case scenario side of it. Yeah, I think like the bill part like just to counteract the times when he's on the floor with Book and KD and he does have to like take a step back. I think he's going to be the guy with the bench. I think it's going to be him and Eric Gordon. And there's, that's when like Vogel's going to let them let it fly a little bit. And he gets to be old Bill sometimes. And that way book, like maybe he's going to be the one that plays or starts the second, or maybe we're still going to let book do a whole first. Like there's so much stuff we can do to get those two back to their positions. So they, there aren't like a playmaker the entire first or books not playing point and stuff like that. I think getting them off the when they aren't on the court together is going to be when they kind of get to be themselves a little bit. So I think, mm-hmm. yes, there's going to be some times where he's on the floor with Katie and Book and he has to take a step back and he can't be the Beal from Washington anymore. But those lineups, when he's out there with Eric Gordon and Bates Diop and try, trying to figure out those kind of lineups, I think you can kind of let him let it fly during those times. All right. So 
I have a feeling that I know what yours might be if I just ask you to give me what your biggest concern would be on that side and how it comes together. Are you thinking I'm talking about a center? I am thinking that. (laughs) Then you are correct. If Aiton doesn't buy in and he hates it immediately and he's sulking and stuff, the vibes are going to be cooked and that's just going to tank his, like, his trade. Like, I think if his body language and all of it is just bad and he he's obviously unhappy on the floor and all of that stuff, and it's just going to make it harder to trade him. Like, I hope that doesn't happen. He says that he's ready to buy in and all that, but if he doesn't and we have this – expensive center on the floor that everybody like it's gonna be a tnt game or something everybody's like Aiden hates this we all can see Aiden hates this then i can see that being a really messed up part of the season yeah it's it's the obvious one and i think (laughs) the how of it is actually a it it's just it's just mentality you know and it's the same thing we said with beal i mean that's the end of the day like that's pretty much true on a team that's talented for most of the people involved, it's just that. Like, if he does what he's supposed to do in his role, yeah, maybe, like, you could make a little bit of a case if you're thinking about what could change for him that it's not going to be quite as easy uh, in terms of his shots around the basket and whatnot if it's not Chris Paul feeding him those shots. And I think that might, like, if he had a little bit of a lower field goal percentage around the rim, which he's always been elite at, that wouldn't shock me. But he's going to have opportunities around the basket, offensive rebounding, you know, dribble handoff stuff, distri- you know, transition. All those things are going to be there for him. And then, you know, defensively, it's like most centers who want to, you know, think about whatever your mind goes to when you're like center X who's like scraping to stay around in the NBA. If you told them they got a year with Frank Vogel, them and their agents would be like celebrating. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there for Aiton to dominate in a, in an environment that a lot of great defensive centers have already dominated. So it's just about buying into doing that. It's easier said than done. It's easier, you know, what, who am I to be like? That's easy. I've never had to do anything like that, but it's just like you either want that or you don't want that. And uh, one thing I'll note on the trade is interesting to me that, uh, that the Mavs cut JaVale McGee, not because I think the Suns are going to bring back JaVale McGee, but That was one of the the like breaking points around the deal between them around the draft was that the Mavs wanted the Suns to take JaVale and the Suns were like, no, probably realizing we're going to be the we're going to have to cut him if we take him. So we're not doing that now. He's not even there. So if they wanted to re-explore those deals, something would have to change. There would be a new person in that spot. It would look a little different and just interesting to monitor. But again, I'm the best thing for this team is that Aiton does have the right mentality and dominates, but you're right that it, it might not happen. Yeah, I I, be, I believe that he's going to come in ready. It's the best, most talented team he's probably ever played for. It's We all know he's going to have to take a step back. He knows he's going to have to take a step back. He knows there's only one ball. Like, he's known this for months. Like, so if he hasn't bought into it now, like, it was probably never going to happen, but it's the writing's on the wall. Like, he knows that those touches are going to be limited. Everybody that watches basketball knows his touches are going to be limited. So if he's ready to just live with that for eight months, then yeah, I'm good with it. All right. Let's, uh, let's slide over to the positive. We've, we've been negative here to start it. Let's do the best case scenario and what needs to happen. And we're not just going to do, Oh, well, Aiton does do it. Like that's not, 
That's not very fun. More specifically, yeah. what do these players need to do? What roles need to be filled? What holes need to be occupied by this or that person or this or that development? We'll get into all of that next. First, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with FanDuel's latest incredible offer. New customers can bet $5 at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You've been hearing a lot about that rollout. They are uh, increasing what it used to be like four boxes, but there was a bunch of crap. Now there's not. You've heard ads about that. You've heard uh, about the quickness. You're not relying on your dish anymore. You got the Wi-Fi connection. So combine your betting with your viewing. Get this awesome discount. Get $200 in bonus bets. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more with that bonus bet money. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, Aaron, I'll let you start us off with the best case scenario, what things have to happen and how do they happen? Um, I think best case scenario, we we end up shooting league average amount of threes. I think that's just going to make us so much better, so much harder to guard. And like, yes, we have mid-range assassins and all that. But I think that a team that at least is top 15 in three-point attempts, it, that's just a really simple one too. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure that I'm not like, like saying anything crazy, but I think I mean you think it's simple, it. but it didn't feel simple the past three years. So <laughs> yeah, but I think just a team that attempts, like I'm sure the they'll fall, but I just want us to attempt them. And I think putting pressure on defenses, not just with the long twos or the mid range and like all that. I think just a team that shoots close to league average in three point attempts just changes like the whole lay, like layout of our season and with those players on the floor. Yeah, I was planning out uh, the preview series that I'm going to do called 13 Questions that'll that'll define the season. And uh, one of the ones I had that I want to do a whole episode on at some point is just, will the Suns, like, take and allow the right shots? Which, you know, can get into a whole analytics thing or not, but the reality is they, they put themselves at a disadvantage a lot of the time by... The three-point side of things, but, you know, the extension of that is at the basket, which I did a whole episode on how they can do better there, too, and it has a lot to do with the guy we just finished talking about. But the, the threes are an easy one, and I feel like, to me, honestly, like I think that might have been a place where Monty and James Jones actually didn't always see eye-to-eye. We thought of them as just, like, one and the same, but Jones always targeted shooters. Every year, the Suns added shooting in the draft in free agency whatever trade with Shamit, and for whatever reason Monty didn't play those guys or they didn't play their best or that part of their game didn't really come around or they just didn't take enough for it to be a big impact on the overall team and I would hope that almost everybody they added this summer can shoot that this might finally be the year that it's just like you see them put up 40 a game or whatever because the talent the personnel to do that is I mean, it's hard to think of a better roster. I mean, maybe they don't have like that pure shooting specialist, which they could have if they yeah. you know, maybe hadn't gotten Beal or something. But I mean, Beal can be that. So it's it's all there. Yeah, I just think like not to have games where you look at a half and a team has like more made threes than we've attempted, like stuff like that. I think if we can just 
not have those type of games anymore, then we like we won't get math to death. Like I yeah. think that was a big problem with us, even in the playoffs and even just some regular season games. You're just like we're like you know you'll see the Suns are shooting. 52% that half. And you're like, this is a four point game. Like what is going on? And it's because they are hitting threes or we let teams get back in the games because once they start making threes and we're still hitting our twos, like it just doesn't work out for us. So I think just getting the shots up would just change this team. So mine uh, on the flip side, the other end would be defensively. I went back and forth on how to word it, but, Again, based on what we talked about in the last segment with the role players, the fact that at the end of the day, that's not going to make or break the season, I wouldn't think. I was going to do a defense thing with some of those guys because I do feel like a Kogi or Bates Diop or Goodwin, one of those or two of those guys needs to be able to be playable so that you can have more defense on the court um, throughout the game. But that's not going to be huge, hopefully. So what I'll say is I feel like the stars need to be able to defend at the level we think they're capable of, or you could even just say at the level they did last postseason. Like Durant needs to be a real impactful, just like he was for Brooklyn Brooklyn last year, like rim protector, even at times defending, you know, forwards and wings who are pretty good scorers. And Book needs to be able to do the same for guys like Ant Edwards or Jalen Brown or whoever you want to slide in there, De'Aaron Fox, like, you know, those types of guys. If both Book and KD can, in the big games, in the playoffs, in, you know, elimination situations, really when they need to lock in, if they can, I think that to me might be like the biggest thing that I would be nervous about is do they have the physical ability to do that enough over the course of a long season? And can can they be at their best doing it when they have to. Um, Cause this, the roster is built in a way where we're going to see games that Duran is guarding Giannis, Duran is guarding yeah. Tatum, book is guarding Ant, book is guarding Jamal Murray because they just, there's no one else to do that. Yeah. And I, I think I said like a couple of shows ago that like, we don't exactly have like the dirty, like grinder on this team yet. Like we don't know yeah. who that guy's going to be. Maybe it's one of the new people that we kind of haven't seen much, but yeah, like, I have never been a huge fan of your stars being that person, but maybe Aiton is going to be up for the task. Like we need one of those people that are going to be like the anchor and kind of do the dirty stuff, especially like book is going to have to guard like some of the best guards in the league. Now, like there's no hiding it. Like he's the, like how we have to hide Chris Paul. Sometimes there's not that person that we can hide now. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's probably like defensively is going to be a big test. And we don't really have a big game like the start, but Later on, like we're gonna have to see like how Vogel's gonna handle that and how they're gonna hold up with it. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the the good thing too is like it doesn't have to happen every night. But even if somebody steps up and we did do, we did do a segment on kind of the the new Jay Crowder, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it, uh, a few weeks back. Even if somebody steps up and fills that, there's a lot of teams out there where you still will need one of those stars to do it because maybe nobody can quite match making you guard both Booker and Durant on one team. But, yeah. you know, the Celtics, even the Bucks have, you know, Middleton. Booker's going to end up guarding Luka or Beal. Or exactly. Like, yeah, like, it's going to happen. And we're just going to have to see, like, 
if they can not exactly stop them, but how they hold up and play team defense to help them out a little bit. And do they, does that wear and tear affect them physically? Like all, all those yeah. ripple effects are going to be important. But um, again, to keep it positive, I think that we've seen it and we saw it as recently as last playoffs and both those guys are in their primes and at the point in their career where it has to happen on both ends. So I have no reason to think it won't, but that's uh that, that would go a long way toward them reaching their ceiling. Let's close things yeah. out. Speaking of Jay Crowder uh, of with the best moments, our favorite moments of what I'm calling the Valley boys era. Is that feel right? Is that what, <laughs> Is that what we're calling it? I mean, it was really an Ubre thing, but I don't know of another yeah. way because Chris wasn't there for all of Monty's time. And what are we what are we calling that? Yeah, like I, that's what when you said that I was all like the Valley Boy seems more like the Ubre and um, and like that team right before we made yeah. like the Rubio and like all of like those seem like the Valley Boys, but yeah, like we didn't really have a name for that one, so. <laughs> The point five era, that doesn't sound too great. That's <laughs> kind of boring. Uh, we'll see. All right. But you know what era we're talking about. We'll give our favorite moments from that period of Suns history now that it's over after one more break. Closing out the week, closing out the month uh, on Locked on Suns here. Thank you for listening, making us part of your daily routine. Just search Locked on Suns if it's your first time finding the show. Hit subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast. We'll be here three times a week next week and daily after that all the way through literally next July. So a lot of content coming your way. Let's go through our favorite memories. And I didn't give you a bunch of time to prep on this, Aaron, so I will list some of mine. You can bounce off of those if others spring up as you um, think about it and as you hear me go through it, then then great. And I will, I, like, we can talk about the first Monty season before Chris, but I most of mine are going to be outside of, yeah, like, the, the book shot in the bubble, which, yeah, okay, like, it, it was cool, but, you know, really that was going to be dependent on the Blazers not winning that one game and the Suns didn't control And Karis LeVert just driving to the basket when he was making layups all game and shooting a jumper for some reason. Yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was really what decided it, so I, I don't feel like that – has a big place in my heart because it, it didn't God, go well. <laughs> uh, so the first one I have is Chris Paul getting traded here. Um, and I'll even actually go one year prior to the bubble, which was, Mo it's kind of one in the same, Monty picking the Suns over the Lakers. Those were yeah. both crazy <laughs> moments of stuff that in real time I dismissed, like the Beal, Beal trade this summer. There's so many things with the Suns that I've just been like, maybe I, I'm broken inside of following this team that I just did not fathom that it would actually come to fruition and then it did and both of those are perfect examples the the chris paul trade which came out of nowhere in like the course of like three days and then the the money hire where i was like uh, i didn't i don't even remember who i thought the coach was going to be but i thought money was a sure thing to la and somehow he picked this random ass team to uh to come coach and obviously things went well from there yeah, the Monty thing was more surprising. Like, Chris Paul, like, I just knew that he wasn't going to be part of OKC. And in my head, like, I always figured we were kind of, like, a Chris Paul away. And, like, I loved Rubio. But it just seemed like if there was a destination, it was here. Like, I wasn't shocked when Chris Paul ended up here. It was crazy. Like, it just seemed like it was always going to happen. Monty choosing us over the Lakers was the crazier one just because it just seemed all but locked in. And he was kind of just weighing it. But when we heard he was weighing it, it was like – 
he's going to choose the Lakers. LeBron's there. <laughs> and the fact that he didn't was kind of just, yeah, it was crazy. Okay, from the playoffs, I have uh, nothing from 2023. But <laughs> before that... that shooting 80% for, uh, yeah. for like four games in a row, that was pretty fun. It was. Uh, from this past t- 12 months, it's the Durant trade, obviously. Um, yeah. The writing was a little bit on the wall. It's part of why I don't feel like it's like great, because it's like Chris was breaking down. We thought Monty might or not, may or may not continue. So it, like the whole time, it was kind of like, are you really going to celebrate that? But um, no, 2021, uh, the Valley Hoop, obviously. The Valley Hoop, which is the in the intro song. Somehow I got uh, our host and producer and whatever of the other podcasts I do on, on the whole NBA. The Valley Hoop call by Mike Breen is in there. So that indicates my my feelings toward that. I, I've never gone crazier in an, envi- in, a, in an in-arena situation. And I'm probably not supposed to do that because I was media, <laughs> but I did. Um, not even like celebrating. It was just the craziness of it. Uh, yeah. And then the other one I would put in 2021, and I'll save 2022 for a second, would be uh, specifically after game two of the finals. Another one where I was there, and I've, I've talked about my regret following that <laughs> plenty of times, but in that moment, I was like, they're sweeping, it's over, the franchise has won its first championship, like... Phoenix sports is, yeah, we're, we're headed in the right direction. Everything's good in life. Pump Nevada over every speaker in the city. Like it's, it's a party for the rest of the summer. And obviously that is not what happened, but, uh, Mikhail scored like 30 points in that game too. It felt like the bucks were just broken and done. And if you had just that snapshot moment in time was like pure bliss. So those are the two from 2021 for me. Yeah. After game two, I'm just, I was on all caps, like really being ridiculous. So I kind of regret how. Did you guys do a show between the, like right at that moment in the series? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, That's rude really of them to capture you in that, in that, <laughs> like if you had just done it after game three, you would have been so much more tame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really hate that they put me in that situation. Mine is um, Chris Paul, 14 for 14 in a closeout game. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we'd never seen anything like that before. And he was, he just took over. He was destroying the Nuggets. Like, it was insane. That was just, like, a really fun game to watch. Like, you kind of just – Book just sat back in. That was just the pure Chris Paul experience. He was just doing whatever he wanted, getting to all of his spots and just hitting them, like, from everywhere. I think yeah. that was, like, one of my favorite just Suns games in general. Yeah, the I, I thought you might have uh, been, when you said Chris Paul – for a split second, I was like game six against the Clippers. But I guess if you're picking one from each series, like the value gets gets the Clippers yeah. series moment. Uh, <laughs> all right, 2022, I would have Jay Crowder with the salsa dance with LeBron. Oh, no, that was 2021 also. Yeah, 2021, Crap. yeah. Crap. Yeah, a lot okay. of the fun stuff was that playoff. <laughs> 2022 first round, then they're really, I guess, Booker with the baby. Yeah, I think Booker coming Then back, he got hurt. Yeah, I think Booker coming back, though, and... Just like you can tell he wasn't explosive, but it's just you just knew we were going to close him out because book was still just doing book stuff. He was comfortable. <laughs> he he had that big three at the end. And I think like that was probably the only fun time we had during the 2022 playoffs. Honestly. <laughs> 
That's the thing about that series is like even after the Suns went up against Dallas, which we don't have to spend too much time on, obviously, but like the games, all of the basketball was god awful. So it wasn't even like exciting or fun in the games when the Suns beat Dallas because they were blowouts. They were ugly games. Luca was not fun to watch. Spencer Dinwiddie was just making everybody angry because he was somehow playing so well and whatever so yeah i don't i don't have a lot of uh i also got in a car accident during the 2022 playoffs and had to buy a new car when like uh all all vehicles were at peak uh expensiveness because of all the shortages from the inflationary whatever was going on so like yeah yeah there's just that period of life doesn't have a lot for me um yeah the durant trade are there any like off court or more just silly ones that that have stuck with you from that Um, from that period of time i mean we had monty saying he wanted landry to marry his daughter which he's already moved on and used for uh asar thompson so (laughs) it doesn't we don't even get to own that one anymore (laughs) yeah i think that was just a fun like the whole montyisms thing like i think just those were like we got annoyed toward the end, but those were just funny when they were happening. But toward the end, we were just like, oh, here we go again, like kind of thing. But yeah, like it wasn't really funny toward the like all the poker videos and stuff, like um on the planes, like those were fun whenever they hopped on live, and that always yeah. seemed pretty fun too. What one that was um very had bad ramifications but in retrospect was pretty good content. The sun's drafting Jalen Smith. Like really kind of botched their one last chance to get a really good asset and, and prolong what their title window could be. Maybe they never have to do the Duran trade if they do the right thing on that night whatever. Like we get it, but just the hilarity of that moment was pretty incredible. Just the idea of we're all like talking about all these great players they could get, all these great guards specifically, and then the number of Suns fans who probably had never even heard of that man uh, is is pretty. And I feel okay saying that because he's gotten his his bag and he's like in a comfortable yeah. situation. Like if they had screwed him up, like they screwed a lot of dudes up before that, I would feel a lot worse laughing about it. But it's pretty hilarious that James Jones is just like. No, to all of all of your Desmond Baines and Tyrese Halliburton's, no. Yeah, I think the worst part is like we get to see Halliburton do all this now, and that's probably just going to hurt forever. But at least we're not Sacramento, and yeah, they got De'Aaron Fox and like all that. But I think having him and getting rid of him is worse than kind of just not even acknowledging him at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I thought there would be more. To be honest with you. Um, it was all just one season. I know it, it really sucks was. To say, but <laughs> it was really just was. One year. Maybe I should have. Maybe I shouldn't have overlooked the bubble because, like, that was cool. But uh, weird time in life and weird basketball situation, and then it didn't really Waking amount up to anything. Ten a.m. to watch basketball was fun, though. It was nice to have them on during the day. You just like you yeah. know, have you have your coffee, and there's just like a real NBA game going on. <laughs> it's crazy going back and watching those highlights though like have you gone back and watched like the empty arena highlights for anything i was doing no. it for fiba stuff because i think somehow it popped up on my feed whatever luca was doing in the olympics in tokyo and i just was and it's it's crazy how used to that we got that it was just like <laughs> squeaky shoes and guys yelling and yeah, that no was so noise. weird yeah <laughs> the squeaky shoes are crazy 
Uh, I'll throw one more out there. Uh, the, the, the first game, which was also that same season, the first game back when fans started to be able to come to games, which is like February of that first Chris Paul season, that was pretty cool. Because like we had all been going, and like I'm trying to cover this awesome year, and then nobody's there, and it feels yeah. very like distanced. And then finally, fans start to come in. They do like first responders first and whatever, and then eventually, you know, more and more people. And then it was like, all right, this feels like real basketball again. Like we can actually like experiences together rather than just tweeting about it forever but um all right that'll wrap us up for the week thank you for listening hit follow hit subscribe get the show in your feed every single day here in the next few weeks and we'll talk to you guys next week